0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of P.W. Comics World. And uh, this week we're recording live from the floor of SPX. That's the Small Press Expo uh, in uh, North Bethesda, Maryland. And I have the great pleasure to be talking with Farrell Dalrymple, uh, author of The Wrenchies and other works. Um, Farrell, thanks for being on More to Come. Thanks for having me. So, um, I mean, this is an interesting moment here. I mean, uh, you, along with about uh, was it four other terrific artists, were on our panel at Book Expo. I believe it was as Jules Pfeiffer, Michael Cho, Raina Telgemeier. That, I, was that it? I think that was it. Uh, yeah. uh, and of course, we just learned that all of your books, uh, The Richies, they're all in the on the New York Times bestseller this week. So it's sort of kind of all coming home. So, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, uh, uh, look, you've you've done. Uh, I think uh, uh, to go even further back, I think we did a program with you. Uh, I think when you had Popka Wars was out, yeah. another one of your works, and this goes back to the '90s uh, for a, a, a actually a comics reading series called Comics Decode that I organized along with uh, Jessica Abel and Matt, Matt and Paul Pope. So we've we've kind of come full circle here. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you've, your career certainly t- really gone on from those days. I mean, you were you were known then, but you're really getting known now. So
1: yeah, I think uh, then it was like uh, I don't know if I was asked specifically to be a part of that because I had, was a recent SVA alum, mm-hmm. School of Visual Arts alum. But uh, yeah, I mean uh, that was a great experience. It it, great. David Mazzucchelli right, was David yeah, Mazakelly, was like yeah. The hero, you know. It was yeah. Like really nervous. Yeah, you know, I think it, Jessica
0: but... presented too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for those of you who may not know, what we did was we projected comics and we did a reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that was uh, the first
1: time I, I did that, and I, I didn't do it again for years, but it uh, yeah. was a good Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm wondering, is anybody else doing that now? We, I mean, nobody yeah. was doing it when we, we first started out. So There's a
1: thing in Portland that uh, is called Grid Lords, ah. and they do it like every few months. They'll have uh-huh. a, a cool. bunch of people do different readings and performances and time. stuff. And I, did, I read a chapter from the Wrenchies for one of them. Awesome, so awesome. They, Really great, movie, a little emotional. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe we need to bring this, bring it back for New York. But anyway, look, would you just tell the more to come audience just a little bit about your background? Um, I mean, where did you go to school? And uh, okay, yeah, well, I went to
1: uh, the School of Visual Arts. Uh-huh. I went; I was a little older. I was in my twenties uh-huh. when I went, um, and uh, yeah, graduated in '99, mm-hmm. and then uh, just been self-publishing comics mm-hmm. since then. Mostly, so, mm-hmm. and then done some commercial work. and Then when did you that. do
0: Pop-Gun wounds? Pop
1: uh, I did those, like, right out of school. I actually got a zero mm-hmm. grant for the first issue, uh-huh. and I think that was, like, I don't know, 99 or 2000 or something. And, uh, no, it had to be earlier than that, yeah. It had to be 99 Yeah, I did, them. It was mm-hmm. a uh, collection from Dark Horse came out in 2000. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, I did five issues of that, and, uh... I got a Zurich grant, which uh-huh. doesn't exist anymore, for no. the first issue, uh-huh. <laughs> to do it. And I don't think I could have done it without that, you know. So that, and that was kind of nice, too, because it had, a, like, a little bit of, a, um, like, kind of advertising sort of built in with that. You uh-huh. know, like, getting that was, like, sure, well, sure, out and sure. reviews and stuff. So I think, like, kind of right out of the gate, I had that going for mm-hmm. me, you know. But it's, uh, I didn't have a lot of books come out in the, other than, like, you know, work for mm-hmm. higher stuff or like mm-hmm. anthologies with people and different like smaller things until uh, just kind of like the last couple of years and it like
0: well yeah. very not too long ago you actually worked on uh, on I think I said before up until the Richies this was the strangest comic I had ever read Omega <laughs> the Unknown with Jonathan yeah. Latham I mean I mean obviously a terrific uh, writer and it was really a terrifically illustrated book too oh, uh, and riveting in it's Um, I don't know uh, but I'm going to segue from that into the Rinchies as my latest strangest book I've ever read but also an absolutely engrossing and beautifully illustrated book so I I mean if possible can you give uh, our audience a a summary of what they can expect when they open the Rinchies
1: yeah I mean it's kind of I guess like Initially, sort of seems like a uh, psychedelic, metaphysical fantasy quest with kids yeah. and swords yeah. and uh, gangs yeah. and fighting and things like that. But uh, I think after you get past some of that, it's it's kind of more about uh, sort of this guy having like a nervous breakdown. <laughs> it kind of gets um, a little uh, uh, existential, I guess. You know, I, I
2: think it does.
1: And dark and uh, a little more grown up than maybe what might look
0: like at first. I mean, in in many ways, it starts off as kind of this imaginary kids gang adventure, Mm. but it gets much darker, Uh, but it's also, I mean, it's oddly uh, philosophical. I mean, the characters very often, when you least expect it, seem to be asking the real big questions in life. Uh, I mean, how do we get through this life of misery Mm. and pain? Uh, so it's it's both uh, uh, exciting and, and thoughtful oh, in ways you. that you wouldn't maybe necessarily associate with. And I apologize to the, to the kids, uh, comics people out there that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a book that's a YA or or at least marketed as a right. YA book. Well, that was
1: like the big thing for me, like my main point of like uh, anxiety, I guess, when mm-hmm. I was working on it. Uh, I was like, "What are people going to make of this? You know, like, <laughs> what is my publisher going to make of this?" Um, because I wasn't—I wasn't trying to make like a kids' book. I wasn't right. like thinking, like, "Oh, this is a young adult book." It was just more of like, "This is the story that I need to tell." You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> This yeah, is the well, thing that I'm excited about doing, and yeah. I want to—I want to do this, and I feel like, uh, you know, as much as like I'm drawing from all this other sources of inspiration, mm-hmm. I, I was—I wanted. I sound like conceited when I say this, but I was like kind of trying to do something that hadn't really been done yeah. in comics before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know how people would... I still don't really know how yeah. the world's going to, at large, well, gonna accept it or even know about it.
0: Well, you know, it's one of those books that, uh, you know, as... It, I mean, it's it's demanding book in an odd way, yeah. though completely engrossing. <laughs> um, Thank you. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and, and the storytelling itself... Uh, it 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 kind of turns back in on itself in ways that it's actually hard for me to kind of just sort of summarize. Uh, yeah. Go out and get it and read it. It really is one of uh, I think the best and really clearly one of the most imaginative uh, graphic novels uh, to be published this year, without a doubt. It means a lot. Right? Well, uh, it, it really is that we we hope we're here to spotlight the books that really people do, that deserve people's attention, and this is definitely one of them. Um, so, but. Can, uh, you're an artist. You're here signing. Can you tell our audience, what, what do you do at SBX? Or what uh, are you doing while you're here?
1: Uh, well, I mean, today, so far, I've just been signing copies of the Ranchies mostly. Mm-hmm. And um, I've signed at least one issue of the new Little Nemo book that's uh, uh, Yes,
0: yes. If you don't know, it's an amazing book by, uh, published by Lo- Locus Moon Press. It was a Kickstarter. It's, what, 150 artists um, mm-hmm. who've all done their take... On um, the Great Little Nemo yeah. classic comic strip. Yeah. So, uh, do, do you have a page in it? I have a spread. You a have a spread the one of the Yeah, spread? yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, it is not to be missed. Cool. So, um, uh, uh, trying to think, what, what else can you say about SBX? I mean, have well, you been? Co- you've been before. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: I was at some of the early ones mm-hmm. um, when I first. Uh, graduated from the School of Visual Arts, Mm -hmm. I put out uh, my own book, Smith's Adventure, the Super Mundane, just self-published it, a little before Popton War, and uh, I brought it around, I'd never been to SPX before, and Mm -hmm. some friends took me, and Mm I just kind of gave it out to people, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was the first time where I'm like, wow, this is like, all like, independent creators, like, doing comedy, you know, because my experience with shows before was like, you know, more mainstream, superhero-y costume type things, and uh, it kind of, uh, sort of, rekindled my love of collecting comics and buying comics sure. and like looking at other people's work and stuff like that you know which i was kind of more into like illustrators and stuff at uh-huh. the time and then like now it's like oh cool i love comics again you know all sorts of comics
0: well yeah for those who may not know i mean the small press expo is one of the preeminent independent uh, and self-published comics festivals in the country and it, just as he says i mean there's there's six or seven hundred uh independent artists here and there are no superheroes no manga. There may be parodies of superheroes and yeah. parodies of manga, but really, it's really kind of what you hope to get into when you do mm-hmm. art. I mean, yeah. beautiful books, uh, driven by imagination, and and a lot of people looking to buy them <laughs> and read
1: yeah, that's them. That's so. that is one of the beautiful things too. It's like, yeah, just the nature of this place, like it yeah. being in a, like a, yeah, kind of like an isolated spot, and like, yeah. people are here. Like, I'm here to buy a comic books and like yeah. hang out with comic creators and yeah it's great i love it it's the
0: best of art and commerce really yeah. is right here um, great well last question i mean the richies is done i mean it's probably not fair to ask you what are you working on next but what are you working on next um, I'm doing a uh, science fiction love story for Dark Horse Presents with uh,
3: cool.
1: writer Chris Stevens, who's part great. of Locust Moon Press. Great. And I'm also doing the sequel to Pop Gun War, which ah. will most likely be in an anthology, like serialized in anthology, that Brandon Graham's doing for Image called mm-hmm. Island.
0: Great. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, well, Farrell, thank you so much for being on uh, More to Come.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs>
0: Fabulous. Perfect. Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's uh, weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of P.W. Comics World. And this week we're podcasting live from the floor of SPX, and that's the Small Press Expo, uh, one of the preeminent independent and self-published comics festivals in the country uh, here in North Bethesda, Maryland. And I have the great pleasure uh, to be talking now with James Stern. Uh, founder, co-founder of co-founder. the co-founder of the Center for Cartoon Studies, um, author of *The Golem's Mighty Swing* and other works, uh, James thanks so much uh for being on more to come i am thrilled to be here this is awesome um uh for those of you don't know we are in the middle of the uh the exhibition floor here at the uh north bethesda marriott and uh i was uh, lucky enough to catch you moderating the end of the alt weekly panel this morning maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about what uh, what you were doing on that panel who was there
2: um, there was uh, a, 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 it was like my dream panel basically. <laughs> yes, it was. I a love alter- <laughs> I love alternate weeklies and yeah. I got my start in a the, in the college newspaper. I was a original contributor to the Onion and I helped mm. start an alt weekly called The Stranger in Seattle. Oh yes, yeah. And it's just the alt weekly, the tradition of cartoonists being able to find their voice and get in print and build an audience. Um, you know, sadly, alt weeklies are yeah. kind of a dying thing now. So here was mm. an opportunity to bring together some of the giants of the Alt Weekly. A so Hall of Fame this, lineup. Oh, my God. It was like <laughs> a panel with Jules Pfeiffer, who yes. started the very first, you know, Alternative Weekly comic Sure, Piper, yeah, yeah, th- yes. And in Linda voice. Barry, yes. in, and Ben Catcher, uh, yes, and Tom yeah. Tomorrow, and Charles Burns. And uh, I think the history of Alt Weekly comics is very influential. And All these people found their voice sure. in independent press. And the Small Press Expo is about independent press and and kind of, um, you know, getting your work out there and doing it um, independently so you don't have to answer to an editor, you don't have to answer to um, only to your own artistic muse. Actually, maybe you can, uh, I mean, we
0: have an audience of, you know, comics insiders, but we also like to think that a lot of people come to comics who listen to our podcast. So for maybe people who don't know, I mean, this is not the kind of convention that, say, New York Comic-Con is.
2: This is a different kind of show. No, this is really celebrating the auteur, the person that has a real Mm -hmm. vision, the Mm -hmm. person who's not just making work for the market. This Uh, is people that really are are driven to make comics mm -hmm. so their heads are going to explode. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I'm right now at the first, second table, and they've published this comic I've done called Adventures in Cartooning, and, and what it is is I'm trying to, like, share that enthusiasm and love for cartooning with like seven, eight-year-olds oh, this and is teach great. them to make comics and teach them that thrill. Because I really believe that if you can learn to make comics and you can understand how a panel works and how that 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 panel, that, 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 that real estate on a panel, if you understand how that's manipulated to tell a story, not only can you make your own comics, mm. but all of a sudden you understand how other people are making things, sure. you know? Yeah. And you become a more uh, a, a, a more informed consumer of media, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You know how you're being manipulated, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel I like it. learning to make comics is
0: vital for democracy. I couldn't have put it better myself, but tell us more about uh, Adventures in Cartooning. So, uh, how many of the books are out? Where do they start? Can you
2: yeah. go from the beginning? Right now, there's four Adventures in Cartooning books, mm-hmm. uh, and they tell these great stories, but mm-hmm. while the stories are being told, uh you learn lessons about cartooning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's a narrative that really hooks you in. I kind Mm -hmm. of think of it as a cross between uh, Scott McCloud's understanding comics and, like, Ed Emberley, like, make Uh, a world. Okay. So it's, like, this very simple visual vocabulary that's colorful and, and, like, colored like a gumball palette, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, kids can really copy it. Like, the night barely... Um, it doesn't even have a face, but it, you can do so much with so little in comics.
0: So there are different... And I apologize. I'm, I I know the book, but I'm not familiar with all the characters and parts in it. So yeah. there's are so there's, a, characters.
2: there's a knight, mm-hmm. a brave knight, okay. who just wants to leap into the action. Right. And there's a magical cartooning elf who loves comics and wants to teach about right, comics. And there's a horse named Edward who doesn't say much, but... Really likes to eat. Okay. I think and can all, can all kinds of crazy characters. That. So we, we <laughs> did these great, um, I, I collaborate with two of my former students, uh, Alexis Frederick Cross uh, and Andrew Arnold. And uh, so we did these four books, you know, about you know mm-hmm. 7 to 10, 12 year old range. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing uh, four books for even younger readers. So uh-huh. using these characters um, to tell stories like Sleepless Night, about a knight who can't fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, kind of. Continuing yeah, it for the little brothers and sisters who love adventures and yeah. cartooning. Well, obviously,
0: uh, the pedagogy of comics is obviously very important to you. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the Center for Cartoon Studies as well.
2: Yeah. Well, the Center for Cartoon Studies is a two-year graduate program uh, in the hills of Vermont and White uh-huh. River Junction, where people who are really serious about studying comics come. We have summer programming where people mm-hmm. come just for one week of, of intensive mm-hmm. and people like Paul Karasik and mm-hmm. Alec Monstras mm-hmm. and John Chad teach. Great and comics people, yes. Come in and, uh, you know, at the Small Press Expo, there's like, I mean, there must be dozens of, uh, of, of, of tables where mm-hmm. it's our alumni just mm-hmm. doing amazing, amazing work. And the great thing about comics, two things, right? Mm-hmm. The sum is greater than the parts. You might sure. not draw great, but you can do all this other fantastic you know it's like it all adds up to something amazing and the second thing it's a medium that like resists option, right yeah. I don't have to go raise a lot of money I don't have to like yeah. get a, get all this equipment I can sit down yeah. with my pen and my paper and I can make comics and whether I'm trying to like kind of instill that ethos into a, you know a six year old or a grad or a student. Or graduate you know? <laughs> And I love you it when... You can at both ends of the, pro- of the well, process. <laughs> you know what we started doing once a week? We have like a Saturday morning cartoon club oh. where, where kids in the community come in mm-hmm. and the graduate students like draw with them and show them stuff. And it's so inspiring for the graduate students. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, that was so liberating. That's excellent. And the young kids are just like, they're not self-conscious. Right. You know, they just like dive in and the right. stuff they come up with is amazing exactly. so to see both ends of the spectrum exactly. uh, is pretty amazing right. now you mentioned that you had another book coming out
0: or
4: did
2: you work well, on well we're, we're starting publisher? a new track ah. and it's called Applied Cartooning mm-hmm. and it's about the ways that cartooning can be applied in the realms of science education <laughs> uh, medicine mm-hmm. and right ah. now yeah, it's amazing because like the language of comics mm-hmm. Is now kind of the language of digital communication. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. comics is like the source code for digital communication yeah, in yeah, the digital mm-hmm. age. And what I'm finding is that, like, you know, businesses want cartoonists to help them with PowerPoints and tell yeah. stories, Gra- you know, being a graphic facilitator, the visual
0: storytelling, research is, and development, yes. comics
2: journalism. The applications of comics are endless. And it's interesting in this hall, there's a million people that mm-hmm. love comics. But outside this hall is a million other people that are already using comics in a way. Like, my daughter, she doesn't have a pen pal. Like, remember you used a pen pal? Sure, sure. She Snapchats. Like, it's all about telling stories and pictures. And this is cartooning. And we embed, cartoonists embed narratives into visuals. And we have this skill set that like the time is now cartoonists have always been the outsiders and we still always should be right yeah, yeah. Call them bullshit on stuff right? yeah right but we yeah. are now the ultimate insiders because we speak this language yes we yeah. speak this language of visual communication and I think we're going to see this applied cartooning thing in the years to come as being something where cartoonists are asked to come in to show us how you know how food is produced to, mm-hmm. to, to teach science in a classroom mm-hmm. You know, to, to show uh, you know, an end-of-the-year business report, sure. mm-hmm. a business plan. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah. pumped about it. Uh,
0: you know, as we head into, uh, or, or as the culture becomes more and more of an ultra, hyper-visual culture, uh, cartoonists like you and others really have got the keys to the kingdom. The kingdom of, of moving information and communication between people. So, very exciting. I'm very, I'm very You're right excited. at the nexus of, of where the culture's going. So anyway, look. Thank you very much. Uh, with, uh, thank for a second too for, for letting me like take over the back of their uh, their table. And so thanks so much for being All on. Right. More to come. More to come. Uh, yes, yeah, indeed, there is more to come. Thanks, James.
2: All right, thanks, Cal. You bet.
0: Welcome to more to come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novels. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of P.W. Comics World. Uh, Once again, we're live from the floor of SBX. that's the Small Press Expo in North Bethesda, uh, one of the preeminent. Independent and small uh, and self-published comics uh, uh, festivals in the country. I'm here with Box Brown, uh, uh, Ignatz Award winner, and that's the award that actually is given out here at XPX. Um And um, um, Box, thanks for being on. More to come. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about the show
4: and everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, uh, maybe you can. Uh, well, the first thing I want to ask you really is that I mean, you you came to promise as a self-publisher. You've done some really very good promise and you have your own uh, press, Retrofit Press. Uh, and now, of course, you've published Andre the Giant, uh, uh, a book with first, second, um, an and indie-like publisher. Obviously, it's kind of part of a gigantic corporate right, publishing right. corporation. That said, they publish awesome comics. Right. So um, I, I'd love for our, our audience to be able to know a little bit more about you. Uh, and then uh, I'd love to know more about doing Andre the Giant, and running a press. So, first, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about
4: your background as a cartoonist. Uh, so, yeah, I got started um, almost 10 years ago now. Um, kind of later in life, I was like 24 mm-hmm. when I got started, and I I, um, I didn't really draw or anything before that. I kind of did a little bit, of just doodling and stuff like that, but nothing serious, and... Um, I had I read um, um, James Kachalka's American Elf, and uh-huh. uh, I, it was the first time I had heard you know read a comic where you know the characters are, are like real people and, and you know you would be about real things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it was the first my first foray into Indian alternative comics, and you know something changed in me at that yeah. moment. Like like at one all of a sudden it was just like I didn't want to do anything else but make comics, and and ever since that day whenever you know I think it was in the summer of. 2004, 20, I think 2005, I'm not sure. But whenever that was. I, Close I, enough. <laughs> yeah. Whenever that was, I haven't, I don't think I've missed more than like a day or two without making a, a comic page or something with, working every day. So, um, you know, I started out self publishing um, and making zines and, and uh, web comics and stuff. And, um, and uh, in 2012. I think. Mm-hmm. I started Retrofit Comics, um, where I had been, like, publishing my own stuff. I was publishing my series, uh, Everything Dies, and I had a subscription base for that, and um, I it just occurred to me that I could do this with other people's comics. There was a lot of people like me, a lot of my friends and stuff, like, that were just trying to make comics any way they can, and they are putting money into self-publishing, and I thought that if we band it together, you know, we could make stuff happen and um it was a la- a large learning curve and it was mm-hmm. a lot of work and um uh, and uh I didn't think I would last this long and I didn't know if I would make it past the first year and I almost gave up halfway through the second year but now um I've teamed up with uh, uh Jared Smith from Big Planet Comics uh-huh. and uh it's been, um, we, you know, he, he knows a lot more about what he's doing business wise, and uh, has the space. <laughs> well, he's a good guy to have, yeah, <laughs> Has the space uh, in his stores and stuff to accommodate boxes and boxes of books. Yeah, so. that's that's helpful too. <laughs> Which is piling up in my studio, you know. Um, Can you talk about some of the maybe point out some of the comics that you publish? Oh sure. Um, well, most recently um, we just put out a book called *Fungus: The Unbearable Rot of Being* by James Kachalka. <laughs> Okay. Uh, which is our first book to have a spine uh, and kind of be more <laughs> of a graphic novel. Ah, okay. Um, we just put out a book called Debbie's Inferno by a uh, cartoonist named Anne Imond, who uh, does a webcomic called uh, Comix, and a uh, really popular, really, really great book. Um, uh, Wicked Chicken Queen by Sam Alden, which is... Uh, hey, buddy. It's 4
2: o'clock.
4: You're doing great. <laughs> Just in case you didn't realize that you are indeed, we are podcasting from a convention. (laughs) Um, don't forget to vote. It's so we have um, <laughs> Sam Alden's Wicked Chicken Queen which is nominated. Wait, he's got All another book out, doesn't he? Yeah, he All has d- a, bu- yeah. a bunch of this stuff. Guy, he's really uh, prolific cartoonist and uh
2: yeah. really
4: really good at what he does yeah. and really passionate about. I saw something a, a very letter.
0: beautiful like, gestural drawing that is abs- breathtaking. Really. And it's so little there and suggests so much.
4: Yeah, I mean yeah. he's just a, a really amazing, you know, very versatile cartoonist. He's been doing a lot of work with just uh, pencils. And I think he did a, a, the
0: book with Uncivilized, uh, Tom Kijinich's
4: book. Yes, yes. Him. He has so, a book out yeah. with Uncivilized yeah. Press as well. Um, and uh, a book out with Study Group and uh-huh. his own comics. Okay, cool. He's just like a, a machine. Uh, so we're really happy to support him. And, and um, Well, tell us about Andre the Giant, too. Okay, it's so... Coming um, out from first second. Yeah, so um, for... When I start... Right, it was... I actually started working on Andre and started doing um, retrofit comics at the same time. It was in uh, the end of 2012. And uh, I had just started working on Andre on my own, and I did about uh, 100 pages of work, and then submitted it to First Second, and... uh, Now, may I ask why Andre did that? Are you a wrestling fan? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I grew up a huge wrestling fan, and um, I just thought Andre's story was just so unique and so... Interesting, because he, he, you know, he has this mystique and he's an icon of the mm. '70s and '80s, and, and and um, and his life was so weird, you know, so unique, and there's no one that really had a, a a life like that. Cool. And uh, and he had all kinds of hardships, and it, it was just a, a fascinating
0: subject yeah. for me.
3: So
4: very cool. So
0: what what's yeah, any transition needing from Going from the world
4: of self publishing to the world of, you know, kind of big time publishing and distribution? <laughs> uh, it's not not really. I mean, um, it, uh, you know, sure, it's a lot different. I mean, uh, you know, like I finished Andre, uh, you know, about like 18 months before it even came out. You know, there's yeah. just like a long build up. Yes, And, yes. Um, and it's just. The traditional publishing, like, lead time is oh, a yeah. big difference. And it's just like a huge you know a, a, a big thing but you know very much the same as making you know making small you know mini comics and, and, and small press stuff is the same same stuff yes, yes you know just wrapped up in a different package so um, it, it's, it's been really great I'm really happy to have a publisher that has that kind of reach that's willing to yeah. put out my stuff this is great so uh, are you working on something new now uh, I haven't started my next big book yet, but I'm working on uh, my series, Number, with Retrofit Comics. And um, I just made a mini-comic called New Physics. Uh-huh. So And what's that about? It's just stories? It's, New Physics is about a uh, woman who starts a cult uh, using social media. All right.
0: All right. Sounds scary.
4: Yeah. I, I'll take it. Cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, Box Hooks, thanks
0: so much for being on More to Come. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. Good. You bet. Thanks, Great. man. I thank appreciate it.
5: Hey, Heidi McDonald, with PW Comics World's More to Come podcast, uh, live from Baltimore Comic-Con. And right now I am with Andrew Carl and Josh O'Neill from Locust Moon Comics in Philadelphia. Uh, movers and Shakers, it could increasingly movers and shakers on the indie comics scene. Um, they have, uh, you, only through the power of audio, I don't know if I can com- convey the visual splendor of their new Little Nemo, Dream Another Dream, Anthology that they kickstarted. It's in the giant uh, tabletop size b- uh, book, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, there is a uh, sample copy here that people are drooling. I-, I think it's safe to say it might be the book of the show. Actually, I've heard a lot of people talking about this book. Andrew. <laughs> that's,
6: that's that means a lot. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that many people were talking about it. We've, we've been showing it to a lot of the artists in the book who are seeing it for the first time, and they seem really excited. Um, but yeah, I'm glad
3: the buzz is getting around yeah. a little bit.
5: Yeah, well, there's you know, it's quite quite extraordinary. How about, gosh, uh, thoughts on the
3: book? Oh, we're just happy to finally have it here. We've been look, we've been working on it for so long, and there's been so many amazing contributions. And to be able to actually finally show this thing to people um, is really a thrill. We're going to be at so many conventions in the coming weeks, <laughs> and uh, it's it's really awesome to be able to get this in front of people. Now, apps. did
5: you? Uh, how long did it take? I mean, you know, I quote this all the time, but Scott McCloud famously said, you know, it takes five minutes to come up with a great idea for a comic book, and it takes a lot longer than five minutes to make a great comic right. book. Was this one of those late-night bar ideas or chitter-chatter or, you know, sitting in the, around the house, Eureka? I mean...
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, well, we always admired Peter Moreska's Sunday Press, Little Nemo edition so much, and we always shared this sort of obsession with them, and so we're always looking at them with different artists and talking about them, and they're very, like, holy objects at our shop in Philly at Locust Moon. And so the idea sort of came from if, if what's the best publishing project? That was our favorite book, so maybe we could do something kind of like that and... We don't have a lot of great ideas so we just decided to do another one of those <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> different artists. Right. And how um, long
5: did it take from that?
3: It took two years. Two years from the like, conception of the idea uh, to to now, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a wild ride, it, it, it took on a life of its own, you know, the momentum of the project sort of took over at a certain point and it, it, it was its own force. Yeah, and, and the, more, the more artists uh, signed up for it
6: and seemed excited about, about it, uh, the more they told their friends and people would see art online and, and we started having a lot of artists come to us and want to be a part of it. So yeah, like Josh said, it sort of went out of our control a little bit in, in a very good way right. that, to, made it, to make it as special as it is now.
3: It feels like it was a project that that wanted to happen, kind of, it just had to find the right moment, you know, there was, there was a pre-existing, there's all this reverence for McKay and all this inspiration and it's just sitting there waiting for it to be expressed. So finally giving people an outlet, especially when you give them an outlet, that's the full size of the original uh, Little Nemo pages, you get some pretty spectacular work out of people.
5: Now, you guys are very involved in the indie comic scene, uh, you know, with Locust Moon. I mean, it is known as an indie shop. Uh, I have not, unfortunately, been there yet. I hope to remedy that sometime in the next 12 months. Um, do you feel, I've often noticed that that the current kind of SPX crop of cartoonists actually has a lot in common with the kind of cartoonists who are in, the you know, some of uh, Pete Maress's other collections that are, you know, the, the, the giant tabloid size, you know broadsheet cartoonists at the time. I feel like they have a similar sensibility. You know? Do you see any, any connection there between between those generations and again? I'm i
3: I absolutely know. do see that. I think I think a lot of uh, small press comics people in general are inspired by by comic strips <laughs> as much as like I feel like there's sort of the two schools of comics. There's like superhero comics and comic strips. Everybody grows up reading one of them or the other, some people both. Uh um, But I do feel like there's a huge newspaper comics influence in indie comics. uh, That and there's also you know like Jack Kirby influence in indie comics, but not to quite the same level. And I I think think. I think another uh, uh,
6: connective uh, piece is that at the time these things that Pinaresca does, including Nemo, but all these other all these old uh, comics that he finds and presents beautifully, um, a lot of those come from a sort of uh, Wild West era of, of the comic strip. And in, in, in indie comics, just by force of like imagination and, and not trying to conform to anything, it's a similar atmosphere where people are really trying to do something new and different and not trying to keep be contained by anything. So it leads to all this really cool stuff that even if by accident, has a lot to do with uh, those early
3: comics, right? Well, it's like the totally anarchic quality of yeah. like early newspaper strips. There were no established rules of how you can tell a story in a comic or what or what you could do on a page. So everybody's figuring it out as they go along. That society as Nick's collection that he put out is completely insane. There's these compositions that are like baffling and brilliant. And there's a comic in there that's made out of clay and like photographed.
2: Right. And that right. I think
3: I think that kind of just total freedom. Uh, of expression that, that sort of uh, existed by default because there weren't any rules that people had to follow yet. I think that's been sort of hung on to by, uh, by now that there are more rules developed, you still don't have to follow them. You know, you can do yeah, whatever you yeah. want.
5: Well, it's also like I mean, it's the Society's Nicks and the you know the other the book that I forget the name of because I suck. But uh, you know, like you look at them and you think, oh, these you know cartoonists must have been. You know, top of the town, you know, walking around with their cigar and everything. But they were, some of them were very obscure, you know. They weren't necessarily, you know, they might have drifted in and drifted out uh, quite a bit. So. Yeah, the
3: guys like McKay who were sort of right. celebrities, but then there's there's a million guys yeah. who, were, who were in that same category who were not celebrities right. at all. They were just working in bullpens. One of the cool things about that society's next book is how many how many jams there are. Yeah. Like it's so many people just they're in a bullpen and they're just passing pieces of paper around. Yeah, so. um, um,
5: hold on one second. This might be my ride. So Kate, okay. edit that out. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Kate okay, from Philadelphia. So okay. there. So, um so so again at, at Locus Moon though, you also have a show that's coming out next month. So I mean you guys are kind of uh, a store, but you're also a press. I mean, this is an, an increasing like stores are starting to have their own micro presses, um, you know, and putting on your own show. I mean, how did that all evolve? How, how old is the shop?
3: The shop is uh four years old, and honestly, it all evolved just from us wanting to contribute to this industry and medium in any way we can. I mean, Chris and Andrew and myself, none of us, uh. None of us are artists. None of us can draw. We all love comics, I think, as much as as any artist. Um, So we're doing what we can to, to be a part of it. Yeah, it's not. It's. uh, It it, it might
6: seem like uh, from the outside, oh, we're growing uh, something. Where first we had a store, and then a press, and then we started doing our festival. It wasn't that really. We just there's a lot of things we wanted to do, and we just started doing them. And maybe someday they'll all be very successful. But (laughs) that's not. We're not. We're not waiting to to like, uh, you know, um, like make an industry out of any of them. We're just trying to do. Cool stuff in every possible avenue we can
3: hopefully cool i, I do think it's a great trend uh, that so many comic shops are starting to publish books and stuff like that i don't i think every comic shop should be should be publishing books i don't i, I don't know how you could not own a comic shop and not want to put out books when you, when you have cartoonists coming into the yeah. store and you've got fans of comics who are right there
5: like, oh i'm sorry go on uh I was going to say it seems like it's kind of the like the way it's been is the other way around. Well, it goes both ways. I mean, you know, like Rizzoli Books, for instance. You know, they are a publisher, but then they had the bookstore.
4: And,
2: right.
5: You know, a lot of times, uh, like Fantagraphics, of course, has their own bookstore now. Drawn & Quarterly has a bookstore. Right. So, uh, so it's really kind of going both ways.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Are
5: you now? But let's talk about the shop a little bit. I mean, again, I've never been there, but I mean, what what is like this the product mix in your store? Then?
3: Well, I mean, it's a it's a very broad collection that we have. We have a lot of mainstream stuff. We have a huge collection of uh, small press stuff. We also have uh, we have a ton of events. We have an art gallery space, um, so it's as much kind of a, a community center. We have like art classes for kids and stuff like that. Um, there are drawing tables
6: in the gallery section too, so a lot of yeah, it's sort of it a studio setting studio. kind of yeah.
3: Um, so we really try to make it a, a place that people come together. You know, in the age of Amazon and big box stores uh, I mean you have to offer people something other than just a product because a product is something you can get online so we offer people hopefully a place um, a place to come together
5: Right, now uh, Philadelphia uh, is definitely you know it has a real art scene there too I mean it's, it's you know it's a perpetual up and coming city I guess Aside from being the you know former capital of the United States, but uh, I mean, how does it? I mean, does it fit into the community there? Or I mean, how do
3: you? There's just a massively talented uh, group of cartoonists living and working in Philly, all all over the city and different areas, and working in different media. And what's interesting is there's all these little pockets of people that hang out with each other, that are friends, that work on projects together. But I feel like there's not one thing that, that unites all those people. And that's what we're trying to do with Locust Home. We want to be a, something that, that, that brings all these sort of disparate oh, hi, scenes hi. together. Like, whatever, the joke about the, the blind man and the elephant or whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's right. a trunk or there's a tree. Right. Um, but, like, I feel like Philly like Comics is an elephant. And we want to actually try to paint a picture of that elephant.
5: Right. Now, are there any, like... Uh like cartoonists or books that that have been doing really well in your store, like what really hits with your audience?
3: It's a, our best-selling stuff tends to be the the kind of like a edgier image stuff. Like uh, I mean, Saga is our best-selling right. book, like by a lot. So um, you're a
5: Saga shop.
3: We are a Saga shop. We <laughs> definitely are, are a Saga shop. We have we have a huge female customer base. I think our customer base is fifty fifty. Um, so yeah, we and we sell a lot of books like Lumberjanes and stuff like that, um, but. Yeah, we sell a lot of small press stuff. It's it's a huge mix of stuff that we sell. Um, but yeah, we have, I mean, we have our own books too, so we're always right. we're always trying to push those.
5: So what? what uh, tell uh, tell us about Mix uh, Mix Philly, right? Is that the name of your show?
6: No, it's the uh, Locust Moon Comics Festival.
5: Okay, I see. It's I'm looking at it, and it has like an MX. Uh, that's that's you did the, I mean, the, that's the
6: date. The date yeah, in yeah. Rome, Rome. Exactly. <laughs> Stylish, exactly. stylish
5: people. So it's the Locust. Moon Comics Festival alright there you go let's right. get that right <laughs> so uh, what is what is this going to be so
6: yeah um, October 25th of this year is going to be our third um, festival and it's um, it's sort of like an old old timey SPX kind of before spx got like super huge i mean it's still amazing <laughs> i right. love spx yeah. not a bad thing um but yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty intimate show and it's really um we, we try to get as, as many of our favorite artists um both locally and um from out of town like this year we have uh paul pope is coming um bill sienkiewicz jim rug uh feral Downripple is always there um See Box Brown, of course, a local guy. Ron Wimberly, who did this awesome uh, this is poster awesome. for oh, us.
5: Oh, my God, I love him. He's uh, so great.
6: Yeah, and J.G. Uh, Jones is a great friend and another Philly guy. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's sort of about um, getting together for a day um, and just celebrating comics and trying to break down some of the barriers that pop up a lot um, between, like, creators and fans and aspiring creators with, like, you know, uh, lines and strict signings and... Um, all all this stuff uh, and just like the the barrier that's between people like every you know in everyday life and try to have a fun day where people can like relax and chat and buy books and create art and eat the best ice cream uh, in (laughs) Philly and also the best burritos on the east coast um, at least. Wow. Um, yeah, that's. We're, we're really proud of the food if, we have. If, if, proud if, of the food, <laughs> proud of the puppies. We have a puppy tent. Yeah, yeah. we had a puppy tent last oh, year. No yeah, it's just yeah. about having fun. Ice, ice
5: cream and puppies. Like, if yeah. this did not sell you, I'm going to the Locust Moon Comics Festival. You are dead. i sorry. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, you know, I might have to change my calendar.
1: Um, oh, you got to come. I, I know, you.
5: I know, I know. Well, we'll see what happens. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question that I've been asking everybody. Uh, and I'll start with Josh. Uh, what was the first comic you read that blew your mind and made you think, oh my god, these comics can be so much more?
3: It was Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. It was definitely Calvin and Hobbes. Like, I, I grew up, like, the, the Sunday funnies were like a holy thing for me since as long as I can remember. I think probably before I could even read, I think I was probably obsessed with them. And Calvin and Hobbes, as soon as I sort of could understand it and figure it out, was. My favorite, and definitely some of those, some of those like when you would have the full half page, the top half of the uh whole Sunday page, and you would do stuff with like you know, there's the famous one with the uh the T Rexes flying the airplane, like that, just completely blew my mind. It's still 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 resonating, I think. Good. Good
5: answer, and Andrew,
3: yeah. Um,
6: I had grown up on superhero comics, and uh, I still read them now, but I there was a point in high school where I felt like I was. I don't know. I was kind of growing. It seemed like I was growing out of them. Um, I think it was bad timing in the industry. Um, but then um, uh, the guy who ran my local comic shop put the first issue of Street Angel, Jim Rugg's Street Angel, in my hands, and um, that like opened a door for me. Um, that was that was never really closed again. And from then I, I sort of um, I don't know. That, that that taught me that I could start loving comics and not just see them as uh, fulfilling an addiction, sort of which it had become by that point. Um, and the and yeah he and the one of the best things in my life honestly so far is uh, that Jim not only joined up on our Little Nemo book but he ended up, he ended up just designing the book for us and that was uh, super special for me like he's, he's more than uh, more than like anyone else he's like more a personal hero just because I don't think I'd, I wouldn't be anywhere near comics right now if I hadn't started reading his books
5: I love that I, I love hearing these stories and uh, uh, Street Angel came out. When did that come out? Like two thousand, two thousand one?
2: It was about two thousand right. four, two thousand four. I or So yeah. about
5: ten years ago. Yeah. And I think it was really part. I think it was about when like Scott Pilgrim came out also, yep. and yep. and I, there was some a couple of other books that came out around that time that really were kind of. Like, pointing the way forward, I think. And so, yeah, Street Angel. Yeah, right on, right (laughs) on. Yeah, and and at the time,
6: I feel like no one was appreciating it or talking about it, but now, um, like, Ad House did this great, like, new hardcover thing, and I think people are starting to notice it more now, and and Jim is getting a lot more, like, higher profile, which he's always deserved to be. Like, um, he's been around, but I love that this love for him is going around more now because he's the best.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are the best. Uh, you know, you're hard workers. And this book, this little Nemo book, it's where do you see it? Oh my gosh. So, uh, well, Josh, Andrew, thank you so much. Um, you know, we'll look for you SPX and uh, we'll look for this little Nemo. Dream another dream. Amazing.
6: Thanks so much, Heidi. Thank you so much for having us.
5: Thanks.